0: welcome to Hero of the gods my name is albert i think i didn't say it the last times but you know it anyway we are in the final chapter of season five with me of course my lovely co-hosts new co-host and you did a fantastic job the whole season thank you so much for being with us kate oh, hello
1: thank you hi everybody
0: and yeah my old seasoned co-host horse friend <laughs> Sorry, why do I say horse? horse <laughs> 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 it's the like, old seasoned horse. No, hello, Diego. So, um,
1: welcome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this, this, you leave, eh? This,
2: this is yes, funny. Uh, uh, then. <laughs> uh, hello, Albert. Nice, n- nice being here again. And hello, Kate. And I want to support Albert's comment. This season has been very cool, very different. And uh, your energy is so very present in this season Ooh. that. Um,
0: it's important to 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 signal and, and and say it out loud, yeah. Oh yeah, thank you, thank you so much, Kane. Another thing I just wanted to say: um, we are recording the seasons uh, in one streak, uh, so we are uh, recording multiple episodes at one time. So uh, we already it might be that we already had a one or two drinks and tasted some of the truths that we are talking about. <laughs> So that might be. Transparency is important. Yeah, transparency is very important. Um, before we start, salute. Yep. Salut. Let's drink more. Salut. We are a bit uh, jiggly and happy, but it's a sad reason because we are at the end of our journey. We are at the end of the Jalisco trip. We have one final recording, and this recording is, of course, with Kate and Diego, and it's with, in a way, the secret star or the secret glue. Of this season. Uh, his name is Esteban. We mentioned him a couple of times. Who made it possible for you guys. Actually to meet. These wonderful producers. Their families. And to be part of their lives. And to be welcomed. Into their family. Because yeah. If Esteban wouldn't have the trust of these people. The, those doors would have been probably not so easily. Opened as they did for you guys. During the trip. Absolutely. Yeah. So maybe, maybe you can. Can pull us in a little bit? Um, How did this recording happen that we are going to hear?
1: Um, So we had just left Lobo and knew that we had several hours to drive back to Guadalajara. And as I remember it, Diego, this is just my experience, you and I were really tired. (laughs) And um, we were just kind of reflecting and it was esteban who was like we should record your thoughts while this is fresh true and you and i were both like "Eh," and he was like do it (laughs) we were like yes boss (laughs) you're right you're right you're right that was that that, that was that was how it yeah yeah and he was right he was right and so yeah we were in the truck and i don't know what magic software you found that cleaned up that sound but like what the listeners are going to hear is so much clearer than in the truck Um, I love the background noises, because it reminds me of being there, but like in service... Even even our voices tremble. Yeah. Did you notice?
2: Yeah. Because we're, we're on a machine, you know?
1: Yes. But yeah, that's how it happened. So we had three plus hours in the car, and spent a chunk of them reflecting on it. And it is a great moment when we started recording. And just at the very start, we started talking about the experience... And in a pretty shallow way. And Esteban was just like not having it. <laughs> he was like, no, no, no. <laughs> and he played the producer. He was our, our Albert Yeah, during the car trip. Moderating too. The- yes. Yes. Yeah, and so so, so now I have to credit. leave.
0: Now I have to leave that part in, so that people will will notice what what you guys are talking about. So yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> you just you just built yourself your own trap. But okay, let's oh, continue. No, please do. <laughs> I, I wouldn't
1: I wouldn't have it any other way.
0: Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, okay. yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's also part of what I've enjoyed about our discussions afterward has been just like being humble about the experience and things that we learned and perspectives that shifted and. That to me, that little exchange with Esteban was part of it too. This is all a big learning experience, also for me, just like doing audio content. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah.
0: You also talk about the places you visited that we didn't record, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. So we have been speaking about editing this chapter,
2: and uh, <clears throat> because we describe every single taverna we went to, and we already did that in the introduction of every chapter it
0: would be a great idea to cut the parts out and make more of a chapter where uh where we talk where you guys talk about the parts that we did mentions in the previous six uh episodes correct in the previous uh, chapters so to make it a bit more concise because exactly Mm -hmm. as you said it was a long drive it was a long uh long journey the content
2: from esteban is uh, staying intact because Mm -hmm. he also gives a couple of very cool details that you guys may want to hear. Mm. Yeah. So, picture this chapter as Esteban is the the invite. You know, so mm-hmm. we had uh, Chalio, we had Beto, we had Lobo, we had other, and in this one is Esteban. You know, he's part of the chapter. He's not interviewed, but he gives some insights that m- m- you may find cool.
0: In advance, thank you everybody for listening. Um, thank you, Kate, again. Thank you, Diego, and we probably will be back. Can I? Oh, oh. <laughs>
1: Kate just lifted her hands, and I thought
0: she just wanted to wave goodbye, that she wants to actually say something. Kate, please, please, please.
1: So, so our goal is to keep this short, but I also feel compelled to, like, wrap up a little bit.
0: Okay, go, go.
1: And so, I wanted to ask uh, all of us to give our top two themes after that, like that we think about when we reflect on all of the conversations that we've had and like the two of us that we've had on our trip.
2: Okay. Who starts?
1: Albert.
0: Okay. Can I say maybe even three? I don't know. Yes. Let's do three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there was one theme and you're going to like that, Kate. And uh, it's how women are present in the whole creation and in the whole part of making the spirits. Uh, they are not visible and it's really nice i'm really happy that uh, that with your interviews with you being there making it a bit more visible the the role of of women in this so this was very impressive for me because i had no idea mm-hmm. to be honest and there was a second thing which is it's about like the families and it's that it's not just business it's it it's more it has a meaning there is a there's there's a meaning to these people. They, they're making the spirits not just because they want to sell it. That was very clear to me. And maybe it's a bit related. The third part is, is the values that are behind. I would love to meet all these people after you describe them to me because I think they're amazing people to hang out with and having people like them in your life will enrich your life. No matter if they're in Mexico or if they're here in, in Berlin but people who who have similar values than the people you met are good people to be with thanks very good man yeah. so yours diego i go next
2: i would say first thing that and in maybe in in order of importance would be to see so clearly how this is a family business you know i don't want to make it like too uh I don't know how to say it, but it's a family business. It's important to say that even if there is a a male name on the bottle, there is a whole family working behind. You know, it it doesn't necessarily have to be girls. It can also be sons that are not named on the bottle. Uh, It can be anyone in the family. You know, but I would like to say that after seeing this, it would be cool that they all got credit. That's as far as I'm going to go. I don't know a brand. I cannot do anything about it. I. But it would be cool. That's it. Uh, I I only have two headliners. And the second headliner would be that when you hear about, and being Mexican, when you hear about Mexico on the news, you may be scared to go, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. would be normal, you know, because I hear it all the time. I live in Germany. Once you see the countryside of Mexico and the way they received us, they were treating us like family, you know? They were, I'm not saying go visit Mexico. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, the countryside of Mexico, which is the place where the news have made had, have made a fantasy of a of a tragic, violent land, is a fantasy. It's not true, you know, and that's important to point out. We were on dirt roads for twenty five to thirty hours, you know, so and it's like we never felt in danger. Mm not not even not even close to that, and every place we stopped every everybody was like uh nice and uh that would be something that I would point out too, from this because it's like I'm not saying visit Mexico, but just don't believe everything you hear about this violent situation going on that's those are the two things i I would like to point out
1: it's how how your you? turn Kate. <laughs> <laughs> um i would totally echo what you've said uh i i mean obviously and i've said it again and again it is what i would say about seeing women in the industry and acknowledging all of the effort of the many many individuals that it takes to make these products is exactly i really love where you went with it diego because it's completely unnecessary and worth reflecting on why it is that so many people's effort is invisible, right? Because it's not like, it's a new thing. <laughs> Women have always been in it. So why is it mm. that, you know, this is the narrative we're given. Why is it that we're fed this narrative mm. about Mexico mm. being hyperviolent, right? Mm. So that was, many layers were peeled back and just made me think about why it is that I held the thoughts or beliefs that I did in the first place about the way that mezcal is produced or the people involved or whatever that just think about that. And then the um, the other thing that I had on my mind was just thinking about the going back to the human aspect, which was the whole point of this trip, right? We wanted to go talk to people and then make space for their voices in all of this. And so hearing about the different backgrounds, like starting from the end, like Lobo, his story that he had lived in California and then he came, he came back, and he was the first person producer that we talked to who actually just, like, started things on his own, right? Correct. Benito, previous, started, but was carrying on from his dad. And then as we work backward, it was like generations upon generations of people, yes. right? And yeah. so the journeys that people have taken together to get to the point where they are here are so different. And thinking about Beto and Tanya Juana and their epic journey epic epic journey is migrants through mexico so to get to where they are now so yeah just not taking it for granted i believed in the importance of recording these stories and i believe even more in it now having come to the end of it
0: absolutely i think this is a wonderful wrap up if you could connect with what we said in this season if you have similar feelings similar experiences Please share this content with others. It's there to share. Um, and send us comments. And yeah, reach out to us. Um, yeah. We really don't know what season seven will look like. Now that we are three people, so we have uh, we have a bit more flexibility. We we don't know yet. Yeah, your feedback is is very valued. Whenever there is a conversation somewhere, it opens up new paths, new opportunities, new new ideas. So please give us your ideas and yeah we are very happy to share this with you and um, and pass it along and we hope to meet you hear you read from you whatever get in touch with us because um, this is what life is basically about and uh, when we are sharing some spirits that's the nicest way to do it Uh, but yeah have a glass with us on us and um, hope to hear see you listen to you soon Take care. Ciao.
1: Thanks, everybody. Bye.
2: We're on the road, and uh, we're going to talk about the tabernas. We did not make interviews, but we visited more tabernas than just the ones that we have interviews. For X or Y reasons, we did not make interviews. Some, mainly in the first one, Don Luis, is because they are old people and uh, the kids were not there and stuff and uh, the mic could have been intimidating. Then we visited Leobardo, who is uh, we don't know that well to pull out a mic and then we visited, what's the name of where they were doing Joaquin the... Solis. Joaquin Solis Bonete Costa yes. uh, uh, the, uh, Joaquin Solis in La Costa those three are not are not on the on the show, so we're gonna talk about it a little on this one. So we start now. Kate, tell us a bit about your first approach to uh, binata, but on the rustic, rustic side of it.
1: Yeah, one. I do think it's important that we tell these stories because, as you mentioned, there are there's a wide diversity of backgrounds in the people that we met and their context and their circumstances. And just because some maybe are not comfortable with or not familiar with being recorded or having outsiders visit them in their homes, that doesn't mean that their stories can't be shared. And so it's not for me to put in their words anything, uh, because the point of all this was to have producers tell their own stories. But yeah, I am happy to share my impression.
2: You had to clean some of, some of I the audience.
1: <laughs> yeah. So first of all, I as as we told them, uh, Sierra del Tigre is the very first Ricea that I ever tried at Craft Spirits Festival in Berlin. And it's still one of my favorites. And so for that to be the first Benata that I got to visit was coming full Serbo and poetic in a way. Uh, yeah, to do it with you because you are the person who poured me that. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> so it's really lovely. And also to be here with Esteban. Yeah, it's all very special. And so on a personal level, that meant a lot. And of course, to actually see and smell in such, I mean, I can't even explain to the audience what a small operation that is. Uh, you can you could easily throw a stone <laughs> across the entire thing. And I got to put my hands in the clay pots and clean a bit. Uh, we offered any assistance we can because they are a bit older, and although totally capable, very appreciative of any any kind of physical help. So it was a tiny bit, but I was glad to do it. And yeah.
2: and uh, there was there was this. Uh, I have never seen this at least myself. What they used to clean the inside. So, yeah, they use bagasso. They used fibers from the previous distillations. That's, how do you call that in English, to to, to clean, like, the dishes? How do you call it? Scrub. The scrub you use is is used bagasso.
1: Yeah, so, like, instead of a sponge or something, you just take some of the bagasso from the bottom of one of the pots, scoop out whatever is left over, use a bit of clean water, and, yeah, I don't know how many thousands of distillations Well, probably not the clay pots, but a lot of distillations have gone through those pots. All that flavor is still there. So yeah, overall, I mean, it's extremely humbly to meet people who are dedicated and open and willing to share their precious time and some of their private space with us.
2: Yeah, that was amazing. I agree. That was amazing. We we didn't want to pull out the mic. It was also the first... uh, so we felt it was pretty clear that that was not the place to do it. We we were not long there because they were also not distilling. They were preparing the, the ovens for the next day. So it was very interesting to visit, to see it. What you said, the poetic justice of coming to the first Raisilla uh, place you saw is the first Raicilla you tried. That's very cool. Then we moved. No, no, no. Sorry
3: guys, well I'm mean, you described your feelings, okay, and your experience of walking in but none of you describe the place and the operation. And oh. I think the audience wants to know how is that a taverna? Because you asked that question. That's true, that's a good point. And uh, it will be really nice for the listeners to Uh, walk inside this place with you guys?
2: Uh, A ver, Kate, start with this description. So from the beginning, like you enter the door. Yeah, that would be a cool one.
1: So the interviews that we did with the other producers, you know, we ask a set of questions. And the first one was, you know, tell us about where we are. And this place was down a really long winding road and then another long winding road (laughs) and then, like, another one and then a shorter one (laughs) into a tiny, tiny town, village. And then we took a hard right into the driveway uh, beyond the school of this family's home. And so I think that's an important thing to understand that there is very little separation between the binata and the home. So you walk through a small outdoor corridor, past the barking chihuahua who was chained up, and past the beautiful flowers that were planted alongside, and the lush, I forget if it was a lemon tree. Lemon, yeah. Yeah, into the courtyard of a small home, and as you walk, you take a left, and walk two meters down some steps, you immediately come to... I think probably the biggest part of the Venata, which is the place where the oven, you know, which is in the earth, not really a conical oven more flat. Uh,
2: we have photos of all of this. So, yeah. so the description may be helped by photos yeah. if you want to. Yeah,
1: excellent. So, yeah, so the oven is on the right. They had already finished cooking and crushing in the process. So there was nothing in it to that day. And then immediately on the other side of the little dirt path, is uh, the fermentation? How would you? It's not a pit. A it's tank. A, super
3: a tank. No?
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, let's let's just describe it. So, I mean, it's a, a square on the ground. Yes. With like maybe two two by fours. Um, Correct. Depth to it. Masala twenty depth. Yeah, but at first you wouldn't know that it was there because it was covered in plastic to keep the fermentation helping. Uh, and so when we lifted it up, the most delicious smell, like super funky, exactly what you would expect from that super rich spirit that I always think smells like the Parmesan uh, or cheddar cheese. and so that's on the left. And then two steps down further on the right is a small shelter under which you have this... Seven. Six. 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 Thank you. Six stills, but all sort of baked together <laughs> or masonry together, I would say. So six small ovens underneath, which six clay pot stills go. Uh, and Don Luis on his knees, scraping the ashes out of the previous Fire for the previous distillation to clear out for the wood that they would put in there for the next distillation, which was going to go tomorrow. Those six stills took up—I'm not sure—how many meters of space? Sixteen. Yeah. So so yeah. I mean, we sat and we had a really good chat with his family. And what else should I add, Diego? Um,
2: I think I think that was a good description.
3: I think this is radio all about, you know, bringing images and tales in the, in the minds of the listeners. It was amazing. I, I follow you, you know, painting all these
2: descriptions in my head, and it was great. Thank you, Kate. Then that day, we also went to Comala. Uh, the interview with Arturo, we have it. You guys can listen to it. Then we went to Comala, which is a beautiful place underneath the volcano. Very white place. Uh, houses are painted white. And... Um,
1: Wait, before we jump, I don't think we talked much about Arturo's... the uh, Benata. And I think it's worth pointing out how very, very different those settings were. To me, anyway. So, one, we stopped and got Bang and Carnitas to bring... And that was awesome. And then we took a quick turn out of town and then came to, through a couple of corrals uh, that were very dry. And then we parked and then went down maybe, I'm not sure, three, five meters uh, down a stone path. And there on what was, I'm not sure what I would call it. It was just sort of like an overlook. And it was so lush and green. Whereas with Don Luis, it all felt very arid. But this place felt much more jungle-ish, And which made a lot of sense for, I think, the spirit. And, it, you know, things started clicking for me.
3: To describe why that is that change is because Don Luis Binata, it is above sea, like 2,500 meters. And... Arturo is around one thousand two hundred meters above sea. So the environment and the vegetation around it completely changes. Yeah,
1: Um, and actually, Esteban, you said that it was one of your—that's one of your favorite places to sit and observe. There is this plastic chair, and it's kind of like a throne overlooking everything.
2: The green chair. There's a photo of Stefan sitting on the green chair. Contemplation, or can <laughs> you describe it better? The experience
3: is because you can listen to the, the sound of the water pulling down the condensers. And it was a Philippine method of distillation, so it's just a copper pot in the top of the clay. And also, you listen to the, the fire that is happening under the steel. And you listen to the voice of Arturo and the workers helping him. And everything became uh, like an, a music that relaxed. And a lot of trees, mangoes, bananas, green, like green, as Kate described. So, yes, sitting there and looking the operation and the surroundings is, is just very relaxing.
2: We kept on advancing with the idea of reaching El Tuito, but then a hard ride of our driver, Esteban, who was like, "Who wants to see a new taberna. So we went on a road uh, next to a river. I must say that was a very pretty road next to the river. And then we arrived to Leobardo, a taberna next to the river that really was really in my opinion, a beautiful place to, to hang out. He makes a softer liquid, if I may say, correct? And there were really stealing tales, you know? They didn't have the heart.
3: It's not because he can't steal, uh, high, um, high proof. It's just what he has at that moment.
2: But he gave you the other stuff too? No, I thought uh, I thought so. And and it was still... Maybe that's how he likes it also, no? No? I don't know. no, 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 no. no. Oh.
3: Is what he has at so that moment.
2: Okay, so uh, he was distilling tails? Out of the recording, uh,
3: there were distilling just Amarillo. Amarillo doesn't have that much sugar as Chico Aguiar, and he explained he was about to distill Chico Aguilar separately and then mix the batches after being distilled between the two types of Aguiar he worked with. So obviously this one was weak, but doesn't mean that his profile is weak. That That's why I don't want it. Uh, to put that like an a description of
2: his race here because we didn't try his race here finish. Okay, yeah. good. Well, that's really good to know. Though. That's very important. Uh, so we can edit this out or we can leave it. Uh, but anyway, we tried and and we were there. And while we were there, uh, a friend of him arrived with a with a badger, a on dead horseback. badger, on a horseback, with a badger uh, that the dogs had killed. And the daughter took the badger in because it seems like Leobardo really likes the badger meat and uh, the family enjoy it a lot. From that place, uh, where Leobardo was very nice to, to offer us some drinks.
1: I will also say this. He was so friendly to me. He really chatted me up and teased me about my Spanish, which is totally justified. And and yeah, I appreciated that. I think he he did not expect us to come. And just like everybody else, wanted to make us feel at home
2: she was very nice I, I, I absolutely agree
3: the river was crystalline water yeah. running slowly and beautiful yes. huge rocks white huge sand. sand and you can see all this riverside from his little taberna where he has just one uh, steel made out of wood of pieces like the big one that covers the copper that is higuera and the small one that works as a montera or neck of steel as a bonete tree so after seeing the chalios' new setup of stainless also was nice to compare what was in a traditional method using wood, as to understanding the changes and where that design came
2: from first exactly yeah, Chalillo's design is a copy, of an, an awesome copy, but a copy of how he used to do it with other materials. That's correct. Then we moved to Tuito, where we uh, had to fill the tank up with gasoline because we had we had, had a couple of long roads, and take ourselves down to La Gorupa. Joaquin. Ah, we went to Joaquin before, you're right. Uh, we went to Joaquin. Which we didn't find, uh, but his wife was there. And then I would like to get Mando's wife. Uh, okay. Brother of Joaquín.
3: And also, when we called Joaquín to let him know we were going, he really told me like we are not stealing agave, but there is an Armando wife the stealing pineapple. So it was very interesting for us to pass and see them and try their fruit spirit of pineapple.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, when we drove down that little road, yeah, we weren't surrounded by agave. We were surrounded on either side by pineapple uh, and then followed along a tiny stream for a little bit and then popped into, actually, I'm not sure, was it? Also, the front yard of their home, we didn't go back very far. No.
3: No, no. Distillery and home, they're two different places, completely.
1: So, when we walked in through a little corridor, there was a wooden shed on the right, and then a blazing hot fire (laughs) distilling pineapple spirits in... Was it a Filipino still? No. Okay. I was... Also very sick that day, so it's a little fuzzy. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, blazing hot. So hot. And I think maybe three generations of women hanging out, uh, doing the distillation process. We got to taste some fresh pineapple spirit.
2: Delicious. Absolutely
1: Absolutely delicious. Uh, They allowed us to poke around and look at how, you know, they bring water in and out of the still. And then Esteban noticed that in the shed was where some fermentation was going on of the ricean, Yeah. And so we all poked the... It was all locked up. But so we were all peeking through the wood panels <laughs> spying on the fermentation and you could really see it going.
2: Yeah, the fermentation was working, you know. You can see it bubbling and you can hear the noise of the tanks and everything. She was already preparing everything for the next... the next lote. Yeah.
1: And then... We bought some pineapple distillate and not at the world.
3: Correct. Let's be a little more specific. Armando's wife was like uh, killing it in the distillation. And she really understood everything was happening, you know, because when Kate asked her for a, uh, oh, buying a bottle, she was blending different cuts of the distillation uh, to make an, uh, a well-done ABV cheese like, uh, um, so also bubbling with air up between two, like, jicaritas and checking the bubbles to to make it right. So for me, it was a a beautiful message that maybe we, the brands and the projects doesn't talk about family too much uh, and how also the women are involved. And because we saw one name on the label, we believe it's just men's around. But I think this trip has an amazing example of how family is important in Mexico and how all the family is involved in the production of these spirits. And it's not about like the gender, it is about the community and the strength. Of being a team, being a family.
2: I absolutely agree because there is a there is a discussion from why is there not more uh, women in the industry, and for me this trip was very enlightening in that sense. Though I knew it because I have been to to other places where in Mexico family is like the team. But for me, it was very illustrating during this trip that really uh, when you see just a name on the bottle, that does not mean that women are excluded from the mezcal industry. They're so present. They're incredibly present. Uh, as present as men. So it was very interesting to see. Also, not to judge with our Western eyes of saying, uh, but why are there, aren't there more uh, women in the industry? Well... Come see by yourself, you know? Just don't just read labels. Just come and see how they how much they are involved and how important they are. Uh, because we're gonna keep on describing all the all the tavernas and, and you will hear in each one there was the influence of a the very high and important influence of a woman there. So uh I, I wanted to point this out. That's what I meant we we're gonna talk about it this we we were gonna talk about this a bit after, but now that you bring it out, I, I really like the moment to point also this
1: out. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have anything to add about. Well, thank you.
2: Us and everything, and we went back to Mascota, but we had like one hour of light, and then we drove. To see the land where our good friend and uh, chauffeur of the trip is planting his first agave, making his pininos, we say in Mexico, in the in the planting of agave. And uh, it's a beautiful piece of land on the hill. You told us you have which varieties there?
3: El cenizo gigante, maximiliana, americana... Uh, Lineño Chico Aguiar, Amarillo,
2: just to mention some. Exactly. So he, when he found the land he wanted and uh, decided to plant, he just shouted out to all his friends in the in the in the agave industry and said, "Guys, let's start making business." And uh, everybody responded, and they were really awesome. Some of them even went all the way down from their from their homes, brought the plants, and planted them. So it's really nice to see w- how, for real, the, the, the producers, the, the way they, how generous they are. Uh, two years. All of them? Like, oh, they were no, planted? No. Yeah, some of them two years, some of them one year. Okay, and do you have any idea of how many plants you have, or no? Uh, yeah, around 6,000. Okay. More, almost nine. Three
3: three hectares plus less, so between eight to nine
2: thousand plants. Okay, it's a lot. And uh, worth to mention the view of the of the land. Kate, walk us through that view.
1: <laughs> uh, the view was stupendous. So yes, more pine, more oak. We got to hike a little bit through the land uh, on a gentle well, mostly gentle, incline. And when you turned around to look behind you, you could see, I mean, for miles and miles and miles, uh, and one of the things that the facility that will someday, or, well, the ground that will someday be a taberna overlooks is a beautiful lake. Um, And we were there right at sunset, and so there were, the sky was a beautiful violet, some very faint pink clouds over mountains on either side of the valley and it's an it's a magical very peaceful very peaceful place and i think it's worth mentioning that the friends the friends who brought the plants or yeah helped esteban get his fields going it is testament to their generosity but it's also very much testament to the nature the nature of the relationships the amount of time that esteban has spent cultivating these relationships, the amount of respect and mutual respect and understanding that has been nurtured during that time. And for, as we've been describing, how very difficult and time-consuming the work is for these people to take time out or to share their precious resources with Esteban, I think, just as to be reckon.
2: The relationship between Esteban and the producers is really, it calls, it's really cool. There's no, you would have to see it because if not, it sounds like we want to stress some point out, but no, you would have to see it. They are friends as well as partners. It's
3: also why small-scale production of agave spirits give you so much different flavor profiles and everything... Starts from the way that the producer thinks, and how every single aspect of the production change a bit from the from the land to
2: the distillation. Correct. Uh, I want to make a special thank you to to La Venenosa and uh, to you, my. Brother, uh, Esteban, thank you for for taking us around, man. And uh, this was one of the most enlightening trips I have done in my life because uh, we set some expe- expectations in the beginning. But I mean, I can tell you now that I learned so much that this for me will remain as a a very important experience in my in my walk through the agave world you know thank you for real man this was amazing and thank you La Venenosa uh, for, for giving us a chance of, of being so close to the producers and being so like opening the door like fully open ask whatever question you want check in it's, it's, it, the transparency of this is just it speaks very highly of the, of the way you, you, you do business man I'm, I'm very proud to be called your friend and, and, and partner in whatever we do together Thank you.
1: Yeah, I'm really humbled. There are times when I stop and look at my surroundings and I wonder, <laughs> to quote a song, how did I get here? And I had so many of these moments on this trip, and that is because of the access that was granted and the openness of the people that we met. And that, again, is bears witness to the work that you have done and continue to do. This is... Yeah, as Diego said, it is a perspective-shifting, absolutely enriching experience, and I can't wait to do it again. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank, you. Thank you.
3: And well taken. Next time you drive, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: next time I have to do a little driving, but uh, this time I did nothing. So, guys, Albert, this is it. Thank you for listening. I hope you liked the information we have.
3: Albert. I feel you. I feel you
2: trying to edit this. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. And we missed you a lot, man. This is on the record, you know. We missed you a lot. We wish you could be here. It'll happen. It'll happen. You know it'll happen, but it didn't happen this time. Thank you for listening. And um, ciao.